Welcome to the Clear Admit MBA Admissions Podcast. I'm Graham Richmond, and this is your Wiretaps for Monday, May 15th, 2023. I'm joined by Alex Brown from Cornwall, England. Alex, how are things going? Very good. Thank you, Graham. So what's the latest and greatest um, on the wires? And yeah, where are we in the admissions cycle? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're wrapping up or getting close to the end of the cycle for round three um, applications, which typically for a lot of schools is the final rounds, but there are some that are running round fours and so on and so forth. Um, but yeah, you've got Marshall, ISE, Anderson, Said, Oxford Said, um, Sloan, Yale and Foster are amongst the schools that have round three deadlines next week. So yeah, lots of activity upcoming and we've seen quite a lot of movement, I think, on the wait list over the last week, um, which I think we would have expected. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's, there is quite a lot of um, movement. We're at that time where um, ADCOM is seriously trying to sort of finalize the makeup of their their classes. Yeah. And it's because I think a lot of the welcome events were in April and then, you yeah. know, you have a, several weeks after that to get your deposit in. So yeah. I feel like the schools are getting a, yeah, a sense of the shape of the class. We did see, you know, some bad news for people on the Harvard wait list was, you know, Eileen Chang from HBS indicated that they don't think they're going to go to that list very much, um, that the class is kind of currently full. Right. Um, yeah. and, and so. But at the, yeah. at the end of the day, um, Harvard and Stanford have the most control over their wait lists, right. or at least I should say have the most control over knowing what their yield is going to look like mm -hmm. and so on and so forth, yeah. because then it's their actions that have a domino effect right. on programs in tiers below. Um, so, so you would hope that Harvard knows pretty much how many folks it needs to admit from the outset. Yeah. Um, and and therefore, they they should have a smaller wait list as a consequence. Yeah. And I, I mean, I always appreciate the transparency coming out yeah. of that office too. Um, so, yeah. yeah. So, it, we'll see. I mean, things continue to evolve. But the other thing that I'm keenly aware of is that, you know, we've been doing these application overview events, and I'm very aware of the fact that there's a whole new group of candidates that are now focused yeah. on applying next, you know, this coming fall. And, and so, that's exciting. I mean, last week I connected with admissions officers from uh, Guizetta, Fuqua, McCombs, and Keenan Flagler. Really good session. And then this week we've got uh, Carnegie Mellon, Tepper, NYU Stern, Michigan Ross, Yale SOM, and Dartmouth Tuck all joining us on a panel at noon Eastern. So, and actually I'm not emceeing that one. So Mike on our team is going to emcee it. And I don't know if you're going to attend or others on the team might, you know, chime in, but I'm going to be on an airplane. So Mike's going to handle that one this week. <laughs> Yeah, very good. Mike, I think Elliot might be joining him. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. And then next week, we've got, again, Wednesday at noon, Columbia, Cornell, Georgetown, and UVA Darden. So that should be fun. And you can sign up for these events by just going to bit.ly forward slash C-A-M-B-A events. And it's all lowercase. Yeah. And I saw the numbers signed up for the next event are ridiculous. <laughs> I know. I don't, yeah, we've got a lot of people interested. I think it's, yeah, yeah. we're going to probably have a thousand people signed up for that event or something. Yeah. So, I mean, it, literally, though, that's super interesting. Yeah. And yeah, 900 plus or minus is the number that I saw. So you don't get that number showing up if you've got 40. 30 or 40% that then show, sure. that's still a strong number. Yeah, yeah. no, it's great. No, people love yeah. our events um, and I'm so happy for that because it's really, they're fun to run. So yeah. uh, one thing that was interesting, I just want to run this by you because I know that you're very interested in artificial intelligence. Yeah. We, McCombs on the session last week, and I don't know if this is going to happen or not, but we kind of asked all the schools, hey, what might change in your application process? 
And uh, Patrick, who was representing McCombs, he said, well, we're actually talking about the essay right now and whether we should just make it into a video kind of interview type question that you complete online. And the reason is, is because of ChatGPT. So they're kind of wondering, and I, I know other schools are kind of wondering about this stuff. I don't think the essays are going away, at least not this season, but it is something that schools are, are debating. So I wonder if you had any thoughts about that. I think it's super interesting. I mean, I've been following closely ChatGPT, the opportunities it presents, some of the the uh, you know the other side, the cautions <laughs> and so on and so forth. I do believe that it will change how admissions um, is run in the in the sort of medium term. Mm -hmm. I think it'll affect the consulting industry, those that are you know providing sort of consulting advice to applicants, mm -hmm. as well as how schools potentially will reshape their admissions. Um, policies um, related to the use of chat GPT. Right. Um, so yeah, moving to video or more video um, essays versus written essays in the short run, I think that's probably a good band-aid fix. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how things play out in the longer run because there's no doubt you can, with, with the right prompts, you can write some pretty compelling essays. Yeah. Um, I know when chat GPT first came out, I saw a couple of adcom no consultants, I should say, yeah. um, posting on LinkedIn. Oh, how rubbish is this? This mm -hmm. essay is so bland; it's never going to work. <laughs> Our industry is safe, and this, that, and the other. And I'm looking at, at that, thinking, well, you know, I think you're kind of hoping that's the case, right? But your prompts were very naive. It's all about asking the right prompt. Yeah. Um, and, and you will get some really compelling responses. Yeah. One thing that came out of the session that we did last week was the notion that, you know, Duke that has this question, which is tell us 25 random things yeah. about yourself that we wouldn't know, you know, not like basic resume stuff, but just interesting tidbits that that's a harder essay for ChatGPT to produce. Whereas, yeah. you know, tell me why you want an MBA and what, you know, that kind of stuff might be a little bit easier. So anyway, we'll see how this all evolves, but I just thought it was interesting to be having that conversation. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, yeah, we'll keep an eye on it. It's a necessary conversation. Yeah, so absolutely. I'm, I'm glad that that's happening. Yeah, yeah, totally. So over on the website, we did an admissions tip about reapplying to business school. Obviously, not something that everyone wants to have to deal with, but if you are in the you know in the situation where you didn't get in anywhere, or you know chose not to attend the program that did admit you or something, and you're going to go for a second round here, um, it's it's worth reading that tip. The good news is that you know reapplicants get into business school at a much higher rate. Schools are very open to reapplicants. It's, you know, so it's not, there's no kind of negative association unless you submit the exact same file, in which case the admissions reader will be scratching their head as to why, why yeah. you think that it'll work a second time if it didn't work the first time. Um, but yeah, so that's up on the website. And then we also have done, as usual, a handful of real humans. I'll kind of just zip through because I know we've got three candidates we want to discuss this week. Um but we do have, uh, there was uh, Pew who went to Indiana Kelly, graduated in 2020, and she works at Apple. She's a program manager there, originally from Kolkata, India. And, you know, it was interesting. She gave a, a little bit of a tip about Apple. So those of you kind of thinking about working there, she said, unlike consulting firms or many other companies, Apple's interview process does not have any specific structure. It's more based on fit to the company, culture, and the role. She said, on the final recruitment day, I had nine interviews with leaders from cross-functional teams to the role that I was interviewing for. Doing thorough research about the role and the company prior to interviews, being spontaneous in the face of diverse interviewing styles, and most importantly, being yourself is critical to sail smoothly through the process. 
So that was a little bit, kind of a little bit of an inside peek into the recruiting at Apple. Um, but she seems to have done well and landed on her feet there. So that's kind of cool. Very good. Very good. Yeah. And then, and then we've got uh, Priyasha, who is at Bain, graduated from Cornell Johnson in 2020, originally from Massachusetts. And she just said, you know, this was kind of an interesting point. She said, explore academic coursework and other opportunities for growth in your broader university community. Cornell, for example, has several amazing schools with great classes outside of the traditional MBA coursework, and I wish I'd taken advantage of that sooner. So that is a good point. There are many MBA programs that are part of large universities and yeah. do allow you to kind of dip in and take electives at another, you know, like you might want to take an elective on artificial intelligence in the school, you know, in the computer science program or something. Like, so you could do all kinds of things, right? If you're really smart. <laughs> if you're really smart, right. Uh, and then we had two more. There was uh, a guy named uh, Ko or Koa. I don't know how, it's K-H-O-A. And he works at Accenture. He's a Washington Foster grad from the class of 21. And he's a technology strategy manager at Accenture, originally from uh, Saigon, Vietnam. And he just said, if you're interested in consulting, do not only do case study among your peers. You may end up forming habits that need to be unlearned. Schedule time with second year students that have already gone through actual case interviews as soon as possible. It's best to get guidance from those with experience early on. So that was an interesting thought because I, I do know that the temptation is to kind of form study groups with other first years who want to be consultants and to practice. But, you know, clearly going after the second years who already done it would be smart in terms of getting help. <laughs> yeah. Um, Finally, we've got Seth, who is at Bain. He's a Stanford grad, class of 21, from Ellicott City, Maryland. And he just said, invest in your relationships with professors. They are incredible people who want to see you succeed and can open doors for you. So I just thought that was an interesting thing to underline too, because I, I agree, I had some really nice relationships when I was at Wharton with faculty, and sometimes that's like underexplored. And you know, a lot of these folks, they'll host dinners, they'll, you know, they, they're free to chat after class. They, they want to get to know the students and have a lot to offer. So definitely worth noting. Yeah, I'm going to suggest something, Graham. You know why our, uh, our podcast typically runs 35 <laughs> to 40 minutes. Yeah, because we spend... When you say you're going to rush through these <laughs> because we lack time, and then you provide a, a, an anecdote for each one. I know, I know. You're saying I one thing and doing another, but absolutely fantastic. Some really good um, um, examples there. And yeah. and before we came on air, Graham, so I'm going to take the same line <laughs> that, that you took. Before, before, before we came on air... You, you were talking about this place, Ellicott City. You'd never heard of it, which, you know, obviously I live just north of Baltimore, so so it was a familiar name to me. But you did then look up its history, Greg, so tell us a little <laughs> bit about Ellicott City. Well, yeah, I just, I'd never heard of it, and I'm from, like, Philly, and so I was like, it's it's in Maryland. It's kind of part of the, you know, broader Baltimore metro region. But I decided to look it up, and it was like this small town founded by three Quaker brothers who ran a mill, and it actually is home to the oldest surviving train station in the United States. I guess it was built in 1831, and the station was the first term terminus of the B&O railroad line. So that's probably of no interest to people tuning in, but I just thought it was kind of fascinating because I, I just had not heard of that city. It's, you know, on the East Coast, I'm from that area, and I just was kind of curious about it. So, <laughs> and, and now you know why this podcast goes 40 minutes. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, all right. So if you're feeling generous and want to leave us a review that doesn't comment on the fact that we take too long to get through everything, you can, uh, you know, rate and review the show wherever you listen, Spotify, Apple, etc. Um, you can also just 
just send us an email at info at clearedmit.com. But other than that, I don't have anything, Alex. And so I think we can get into this week's candidates. Yeah, let's kick on. All right. So this is Wiretap's candidate number one. Our first candidate you've taken from an apply wire entry that came in the other day. And this is a candidate who wants to apply to Harvard, Stanford, and Wharton. Uh, They want to start in the fall of 24, and their pre-MBA career is they've been an Army Special Operations Officer, and they would love to get into either consulting or banking, although they're, I think they just put those as like the two most common things that people do out of an MBA, and the reason they did that is because they have a bigger dilemma at hand. Um, Their GRE score is a 326, their GPA is a 3.4, and they've been working for seven years, and we'll get into this dilemma that I (laughs) referred to, but essentially, um, they have a deferred offer, I believe, to attend law school. Um, They have a deferred acceptance from a top six law school. So they're like, I have a fantastic option, but I'm not 100% certain that I want to be a lawyer. And then they go on to say, I'm also not 100% sure that I want to be a consultant or a banker either. So my question is, how would you recommend I gain some insight into those career fields? So that's kind of the big dilemma here. I will mention just some other details that, you know, they, um, you know, been in the army for seven years and about four of those years have been in special ops as an officer. And I think those are the main things. I mean, this is just a fascinating question. I'm really glad that you, you picked this candidate, but I'll let you kind of lead things off here because they, you know, this is a big dilemma. Yeah, yeah. They also loved the pod. That's why he was, they were selected. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah, I did see that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it is an interesting dilemma. I mean, on, on the one hand, let's say, all right, that army career looks really good, special, army special operations um, officer. Um, you would assume that that's, you know, you, you, you ran the, the podcast with our, with our, um, our military candidate, right? So, so yeah. they were talking a little bit about the hierarchy of, of, of who's who. So, so this, this seems like he, he fits um, close to or at the top. Um, at that, so it's not surprising they've got a good opportunity um, with law schools. I, I assume top six means which law schools at Graham? I mean, it's not the top one or two, right? Yeah, I don't, and I'm not as like I know you know Yale's at the top or whatever, but I'm not. I don't even yeah. know who it's. Yeah, it's probably number five or six or whatever it is. Columbia, yeah, so or, maybe Penn or, or something Penn, yeah. like that. I don't. I, again, I, I don't know the rankings, and nor nor is that particularly relevant. But they've got another good option, right? So. To me, I wouldn't be weighing that option against a consulting option or an investment banking option. I'd be weighing that option against a business career option. But even a lawyer, you can obviously navigate your way into business um, with, with, with a law degree. Um, but what I see for the top military candidates that do an MBA, then they go into consulting for a couple of years just to sort of now use the skills, the, the, the insights, that they've learnt in their, their MBA in a more practical setting, but the but choosing consulting gives them exposure to sort of lots of different types of experiences and so on and so forth. They can you do that for a couple of years to then um, move on to a leadership role at a firm, and oftentimes with military candidates, that might be operations focused, or at least um, from the outset. Um, so I wouldn't be weighing it up against consulting versus invest- investment banking because very unlikely they're going to remain a consultant for the rest of their career or invest- or a banker for, a- for the rest of their career. Mm-hmm. Um, and more typically, the, um, the segue would be into consulting versus investment banking. Um, I, I think 
that that's um, more often um, the case. Um, they got a 326 on the GRE with no studying. <laughs> yeah. So I do think it makes sense because G- G- GPA is below the median. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think it makes sense. Just go back, get some studying done, and get that 330 or whatever you can push it up to. Yeah, the verbal was like an 82nd percentile. So I think there's room yeah. there to, to run. Yeah. yeah. So, so th- to me, that just makes sense, right? Um, they're, they're obviously smart, but a smart person presents their best overall profile. So their best sort of work experience, their best um, test score, their best this, that, and the other, because you want to get access to the very best programs. So they're targeting Harvard, Stanford, and Wharton. I say apply to them in the first round. You're still keeping your options open. Have a goal for consulting in the short run to more of a leadership role in the long run, or, or at least really examine those options so that they've got clarity on that in round one um, for this upcoming season. Yeah, I, I mean, I would recommend they talk to some veterans who are in business school. Yeah. I, I mean, you and I are inherently biased. I mean, this is the Clear Admit MBA admissions podcast, not law school. And so we we have an opinion, I think, about this. I mean, I, you know, I, I view law school, I mean, it's, it's, it's far more niche. Like you're going to be a, you go to law school to become a lawyer for the most part, or maybe a politician, right? But it's, you know, it's kind of a lot of work. It's three years and, and it's very specific work that's less transferable, right? So I think going to business school, two-year commitment, and the, you know, there's a world of opportunities out there that are, you know, quite diverse. So I think it is a more flexible, yeah. broader degree. And, but I would recommend that this person talk to people, you know, start with the vets clubs at these schools, they'll be super helpful and they can kind of map out what they want to do. I also feel like I've increasingly seen military folks uh, who want to go to business school and, you know, like you say, do consulting or operations or something, but maybe have even political aspirations. And it's like, it's somehow, it used to be that, you know, to be a big time politician, law school was the like chosen path. Yeah. And I think that it's just feels like business degrees are more acceptable um, than, the, than they used to be. So, you know, for, for getting into that field too. So anyway, I, yeah, this is an interesting dilemma, but I would retake the GRE if they think they can, you know, boost it up further and then, yeah, go for it. Apply to these top schools, talk to students, craft those career plans. And I think, I think the MBA might be a really nice option for this person. I would completely agree. And they can take some law, you know, electives or whatever. We talked about that with one of your um, alum, real human alums, right? Yeah. So you, you know, they, if there's particular areas of the legal field that they wanted to just, you know, get more exposure to, they, they could, perhaps do that as part of their elective offering. Yeah. And actually, I don't know where they've gotten into law school, you know, but in theory, they could potentially do a joint degree if they really wanted to. Um, That could be something to explore too. But in any event, yeah, I I encourage them to look into this because I think you don't have to be, as you say, a banker or a consultant when you go to business school. It's a much broader field, um, you know, than that in terms of the options. So in any event, yeah, yeah, I want to wish them the best of luck, thank them for their service. And yeah, it's just great to get this really interesting question to discuss. So yeah, yeah. Best of luck. It's a great, it's a great problem to have. Yeah. All right. So let's move on and talk about Wiretap's candidate number two. So this week's second candidate again is from an Apply Wire entry. This candidate has Harvard, Stanford, Chicago, Booth and Warden on the list. And this candidate is also a military candidate. Uh, They've been working as a Navy helicopter pilot and they want to get into consulting. 
They have companies like Bain, BCG, and McKinsey on that target list. Uh, they've taken the GMAT and scored a 750. Their GPA is a 3.67, and I believe they uh, actually went to the um, to the U.S. Naval Academy. So um, good grades out of a good school. Eight years of work experience. They're located in Florida, and post MBA, they're very flexible about where they end up. And they just indicated that they, you know, looking to transition from flying helicopters in the Navy uh, to a role in strategy consulting, ideally in the aerospace or defense sector. So I love that they have kind of a, some specificity around what they want to do consulting-wise. And they indicate, you're going to love this, previous military deployments to the Arctic Circle, the Middle East, and the Caribbean. Uh, and they mentioned their weakest area is extracurricular activities. They say they compete in a tennis league and have been doing some, uh, taking part in a pen pal program with children in Peru since 2016. But given deployments and everything else, they've been unable to build a really robust extracurricular kind of profile. So they wanted us to weigh in on that. Uh, in any event, this is a white male, 30 years old. That's about all the data I've got. So what do you make of this, Alex? Yeah, I think basically we've got two strong military candidates profiled today Yeah. Um, um, on, on this podcast. I mean, the numbers here are outstanding, obviously. Um, Navy pilot, and again, back to your conversation with our military candidate, I think that sits at the top of the heap. Sure. Um, and, <coughs> excuse me, um, yeah, I mean, anyone that's got an experience above the Arctic Circle has to have a... <laughs> A story to tell. Um, I have actually swum in the sea above the Arctic Circle. Wow. I did four strokes. Yeah, <laughs> that was it. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> um, but but no, I think there's a there's a real lot to like here. This concern about extracurriculars, I think that's well understood by ABCOM for military candidates um, because of their deployments and moving around. It's hard for them to sort of get sort of that um, um, commitment on the ground with with particular extracurricular activities. So I think that that is not such a big issue in this case. Yeah. And I like I like that writing, I mean, this person's been writing letters for, let's see, four, like seven years to children in Peru. I mean, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. It's just like a unique thing to engage in and, yeah. Um, yeah, and and fits their, you know, this person's moving around all the time with deployments. And so it's the kind of thing they can engage in from wherever they are. But that was kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, quite frankly, I think there's um, j just a lot to like here. Um, so, so they should be targeting the top programs. They, they can um, um, target those top programs in the first round because they already have their test scores taken care of and everything. Um, and the only question for, for me, um, for this candidate, is the importance of um, scholarship money because that might then say, okay, add one or two safer schools into that first round because maybe there's more scholarship money available in round one versus round two. But otherwise, there's nothing about their profile that suggests they're overrepresented. So um, otherwise, they could just you know, wait around two to apply to other programs and see how, how the chips fall with Harvard, Stanford and Wharton or something like that. Um, this is, again, I, I kind of like the first, first candidate. I think these are both, um, both candidates that schools really want to, um, want, want to have. Yeah. And I think the only thing I would think about is in terms of the financial stuff is just, 
you know, Harvard and Stanford do need based aid. So that's just going to be based on their personal financial situation. Yeah. Whereas Booth and Wharton, which are also on their list, are a bit more merit-based in terms of the financial aid. So yeah. it's just different. And I, I don't know what this person's threshold is for how much they want to borrow, et cetera. Yeah. But you make a good point. You know, make sure that you, you know, if there is a, a school that might give you a free ride, like get that in early because there might be more dollars available yeah. early. Um, in any event, yeah, very interesting profile. I think... But yeah. I just want to have a quick chat. Oh, sorry. Continue on. I thought we were going to move to the next person. Yeah, no, I was yeah. going <laughs> to... Yeah, so I, I think, I mean, you know, want to thank this person for their service and, yeah. yeah, and, you know, for the post. And, yeah, I feel like they're in good shape. We didn't mention it, but they also did HBX Core. So they've really crossed yeah. their T's and dotted their I's. I think they're going to be fine as long as they get those apps together and in. Um, but, yeah, let's move on and talk about Wiretaps Candidate number three. Yeah, but before we do that, yeah. there is one question I want to throw back at you. Okay. Right? So here's two candidates which I think have very strong profiles, right? So, so when they're applying to business school, they'll fill out the, um, you know, their data forms, their information and everything. And they'll talk about their career goals, they'll talk about, you know, what they've learned from what they've done, they'll have a, you know, their re- recommenders supporting everything that they've done, um, and so on and so forth. So what I'm referring to here, Graham, is back to our earlier conversation, the impact of chat GPT. Mm-hmm on the admissions process. So for these types of candidates, is really ChatGPT going to make any difference? Um, because the way I think about ChatGPT is all about perfecting how you present yourself. But at the end of the day, you've still got to present the authentic self. You can't just make shit up. Right. Oh, excuse my <laughs> language. You can't just make stuff up <laughs> to answer essays to make you sound better. Right. Right? At the end of the day, it's about the candidate and the authentic candidate, that candidate's experiences, how they've grown, the, re- the impact that they've had, what they can contribute, their goals and their aspirations, and how that matches with what they've done, and how successful and impactful they can be going forward with that MBA. Where does ChatGPT help these folks in an unfair way? Yeah, I think you're making a really good point, which is, you know, you can't change the ingredients, you know, and, yeah. and, I, and I should stress that as people are getting into schools now and, and heading off, you know, the, these schools do background checks. So you yeah. really can't make up um, the ingredients, right? Because they're going to check your dates of employment, salary, you know, even sometimes your extracurriculars, like they verify this stuff. So, yeah. And so you're making a really good point, which is, you know, it's really about execution and you know you you got you got to take those ingredients and turn them into a story to tell but it's not yeah i don't see but how they're your ingredients right that's the key yeah and and what i would say is use chat gpt to get a baseline for answering some of these questions but then use that baseline and and work from that baseline to me, that's not that different to using a, a, an admissions consultant as an example, right? They're going to give you feedback on your baseline. They're going to help you tell your best story. Now, is ChatGPT a tool to help you tell your best story? Sure, why not? Yeah, I think the main thing is just to make sure that, you know, sometimes, I mean, I, obviously it depends how you use it, but I, I feel like mm. um, making sure that the finished product is 
very much, you know, your, like your Rose. voice and, and doesn't yeah. feel bland, you know, because that's the danger yeah. with it too, right? So, yeah. But no, I think they, you know, it's a tool definitely that can be yeah. can be used to help and brainstorm and, and like you say, to refine and yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah. in any we'll see how things turn out. They'll keep us posted, I'm sure. Uh, let's move on and get to our final candidate. So this is Wiretaps candidate number three. You're trying to get under 30 minutes no, now, aren't you? No. It's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so our third candidate is, um, it's an, it comes from a plywire entry. So we're, I guess we're fully in the cycle for next season yeah. now in terms of people posting on the site. It's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of people with questions. So we've got, uh, this candidate is applying to six schools. Those schools are Columbia, Harvard, Johns Hopkins, NYU Stern, Wharton, and UVA Darden. And they want to start in the fall of 24. Uh, this person's career has been in finance. And post-MBA, they're thinking about consulting or maybe technology. Um, for now, the, the chief target firms are BCG, Deloitte, McKinsey. Uh, this person has a 337 on the GRE, which I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a score that high. Their GPA, on the other hand, is a 3.07, so a bit lower there. Five years of work experience. Their current location is Nigeria, which is where they're from. Um, they have an undergraduate degree in chemistry, which is converted from the Nigerian scale because that's they're on a 5.0 scale there. Um, but they do mention that they started kind of badly. They were able to grow and you know boost that GPA over the course of the four years. Um, then they moved into working in financial services, in audit uh, and investment banking. And currently they're with, it sounds like they're doing FinTech um, work and that's what they've really been um, up to of late. They have, a, I mean, I'm not even going to read it out because they have a ton of outside activities, you know, with NGOs. Um, they, you know, do a lot of interesting things. So I think that aspect of their profile, um, you know, is going to be quite strong. I mean, they they do, you know, they, they were, I guess, leading a team of 37 people in an anti-HIV and AIDS uh, community development service group for a year. I mean, they, that, that's just one example of like five or six things that they do, you know, um, helping less privileged um, in, in across Africa and things. So there's a lot of good stuff there. But coming back to the numbers, you know, the the GPA and and the GMAT and or sorry the GRE. I kind of wanted to get your take and yeah. You know, what do you think? I mean, this is a candidate from Nigeria, as we say. GPA is 3.07, and they have some pretty good schools on their list. Yeah, I mean they're reapplying, Graham, because this season when they applied, they had a 3.02 on the GRE. Oh right, that's right. How does how does that make any sense? How can you go from 3.02? to 337 that's like an incredible leap yeah and Very impressive. You know, the reality is is do 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 adcom only make decisions based on test scores no but again if one part of your profile is particularly weak it's going to drag down your overall profile right and if one part of your profile is particularly strong it's going to elevate your overall profile. And they've gone from particularly weak to particularly strong in this one element, um, yeah. which is extraordinary. I've never seen that sort of level of increase. <laughs> yeah, it's big. Um, so their question was, how, how, how are they going to do it as a reapplicant? I think, well, at least on, on that side of it, that's going to really, really help um, boost their overall profile. No doubt in my, in my mind, especially because the GPA is not outstanding, right? So they have a lower GPA, um, 3.07, which they've converted. So, you know, class rank would be an important signal too. They do say that their GPA improved over time. They started badly. So ADCOM will take that into account. But with the lower GPA 
and a 302 GRE is a no-no for the types of schools they're applying. Right. But with the 337 GRE, things are a little bit more attractive on the counting stats side. Mm -hmm. Now, to further shore up that part of their profile, maybe MBA math, because they did fail a maths course, yeah. um, a math class. But is that necessary? I don't know. Their quant number on the GRE is 140, which is yeah. uh, 170, sorry, yeah, 170. which is... A, which is I, I, I assume that's you can't score higher than that. So yeah. I think if they did do MBA math, Adcom would appreciate it. Do they need to? Well, yeah, it's a tough call. If they don't get admitted to Wharton next season, they didn't do MBA math. They might always wonder why they didn't um, make that yeah. step. So, so I'll just leave that piece on that. As you say, their extracurriculars look extraordinary. That really does help when you're applying to the top programs. Their work experience sounds good. Good evolution, starting in audit, going to investment banking, and then to fintech over a five-year period. So it would be interesting to see that sort of growth and impact of each of those three um, spots. I like their long-term goal is to return to Nigeria in an energy startup capacity. That's something that only a Nigerian would have as a goal. So it's like having a long-term goal that has high impact that's relevant to your personal story and your background, that's very good. So, yeah, coming back in the first round, potentially with MBA math, with this type of profile, you've got to hope that they, they get a, um, some, some, some good news, Graham. Yeah, I would encourage them to look at MBA math or, or even business fundamentals, which is the one that's made by GMAC. Um, that might be even faster to do. But either way, I mean, I, it just wouldn't hurt. Yeah. And I do think when you're a reapplicant, yes, the odds are greater because schools appreciate the commitment, but also they like it when you've taken steps. And so here they have one step, which is they've retaken the GRE and that went fantastically. But if they do a second step, take business fundamentals, MBA math, one of these courses, that would help too. I also, I think that it would be smart for them to, you know, revisit their application materials, make sure that that's revised and potentially improved. I mean, I don't, you know, didn't see their file, but I'm wondering, you know, how good of a job did they do of explaining this path from chemistry to finance and then post MBA into consulting and then into energy? Like there's a lot going on there. And I'm sure there's a thread that they could weave, um, that there's some, you know, some rational kind of decisions that were made or, you know, kind of reasoning behind all this stuff. But yeah, I would just caution them on that. Other than that, yeah, the, the outside activities are fantastic and yeah. the test store is good now. So I feel like they have a good chance. I mean, I will say that the school list is interesting in that, you know, you have a bunch of kind of M7 schools like Wharton, Harvard, Columbia, um, and then you have some top 16 with NYU and, and Darden. Um, and so those are all, you know, top schools and, you know, they're going to need to put their best foot forward and, you know, especially if they're reapplying. And But then they also have... Um, Johns Hopkins carry, which is interesting. I don't know what the how that got on their list. I mean, it's maybe there's a little bit of an interest in just staying in the kind of mid Atlantic or something. They do have Darden on the list too, but I just wondered why if that's if is that kind of their because it's a lower ranked school yeah. um, and yeah. it's a newer MBA program too. Yeah. So I was kind of wondering where that came from, but they must have a reason. It might be related to their science background. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. Um, so in any event, yeah, I encourage them to yeah apply in the first round put their best foot forward, 
but you know, a lot to like in terms of the improvement on the t- on the test score. Yeah. That's for sure. But I do like like, and you mentioned this. Their extracurriculars, that's really good. And again, I think that's probably based off of their academic, their science background, chemistry, and they're doing work in sort of anti-HIV AIDS stuff whilst they're pursuing a more f- finance related um, career. So, so there's a lot to like here. Um, and yeah. And just one final thing, because I'm determined to make it to 40 minutes, Graham, um, <laughs> just to prove my point. But we've talked about this a little bit in the past. They're from Nigeria. Are they overrepresented? In the <laughs> yeah, I would say increasingly. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I see this. I'm talking to admissions officers regularly, and I see, you know, India's, you know, a huge market. Um, and Nigeria is the next one after that often for a lot of these schools or increasingly. Um, and China, right? Yeah, China's big, but it's China's yeah. been a little less predictable um, in yeah. part because of the relationships between yeah. the U.S. and China. But but yeah, Nigeria is a big growing market along with, say, Indonesia. These yeah. are two markets that are, I mean, massive populations, lots of young people, and so it makes sense. Um, so I would say it's, it's competitive. And the other issue with the Nigerian mm. candidate pool is that often... Um, the candidates that are applying from Nigeria are in search of scholarship dollars. Um, that's yeah. a very common theme we see. So getting an, an application early and being as competitive as you can makes sense. And that's where the GRE is going to help this person. Um, although, yeah. you know, GPA is still low. So it's going to be a, we'll have to see how it plays out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, very yeah. good. Good luck to them. Very good. Yeah, I want to thank them for sharing their profile with us. Uh, we've done it. We are, haven't hit 40 minutes, Alex, but we, we've rambled on and on about a whole bunch of stuff this week, and we'll do it all again next week. Next week, I'm going to be in Philadelphia, so we'll have to plan out how to record that one, but uh, yeah. we'll get it done. <laughs> very good. All right, take care, everyone. Stay safe.